Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now. My name is John J. Lennon, contributor for Esquire magazine and the Marshall Project. I'm locked up for selling drugs and committing murder. Been in prison 18 years so far. Got about 10 more to go. New York State prison system identifies me as DIN number 04A0823. So I'm a writer and I'm a prisoner. And this is a collect call from Sing Sing. Welcome to this is a collect call from Sing Sing. I thought I'd uh, offer up a little insight on my latest story in the pre-Super Bowl issue of Sports Illustrated. This piece is called Inside Bets, and I capture the fantasy football and betting scene in a joint. It's a piece you'll probably read and wonder how I'm able to expose the subculture while still, uh, I guess, living in it. Truth is, I'm always walking a fine line with this career of mine. Even with this podcast. Well, I mean, especially with this podcast. But I'm in tune with this subculture. I'm on my 19th year of incarceration. And, uh, I mean, before I wrote the piece, I talked to a shot caller and got his okay. He was just like, you know, just don't name names or whatever. So uh, as for administrators, I mean, I'm not looking to uh, snub them. But uh, I am a big fan of the First Amendment. And look... If you're a storyteller and journalist, you're going to stir up trouble once in a while. I've published pieces in the past with higher stakes than this one, so hopefully I'll be okay. Ira Glass, who's like the man of this sort of style, this podcasting and, you know, this American life guy, he said narrative is a kind of backdoor into something very deep inside of us. That said, I'll say that this story is more than an expose about the Sing Sing gambling scene. It's much more. It is a story about humanity. You're getting a glimpse, a slice of life, for knock-around guys inside who, sure, killed and committed other crimes, like myself. But I bet that anyone reading this will, I guess, finish it, or I would hope would finish it with a smile on their face. So Jeff and Steve, I mean, you guys checked it out. What do you, what do you think? I was very impressed. You were able to pull this off, John. You, again, as you said, walked a very fine line of <laughs> making sure that you were all good to go by the administration as well as your buddies in there, and just it was a very comprehensive, cool insight into not just uh, the gambling aspect of it, but just the escapism and the humanity of people how they uh, go about it in there, all the different characters. It's uh, Actually, I could uh, empathize with it as a guy who does fantasy football myself and realizing, oh, yeah, it's just the same kind of natural instincts and reaction as uh, anybody, <laughs> as I do with my buddies when I do fantasy every fall. Yeah, I mean, and you and you do it for an escape. You, probably, you know, you're at work all week, and, you, you know, you're probably hanging out on the weekends looking forward to... Uh to Sundays and even Thursday nights or whatever, and it's just something on your mind. I mean, imagine in here with these guys. I mean, it's, 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 it's a true escape. The only part of the entire article that even felt like there was something going on is when you talk about 
having to deal with um, that bad week where yeah. he like lost a bunch, and then he was talking about having to you know go through with that and come back out to inspire confidence in his market. Yeah. And it's like on the one hand, I'm like, oh, that's just typical business terms. But then on the other hand, it's like that's the thing that felt closest to like, oh, mm-hmm. how how do you have this supply? Like that's what I wonder about. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the one hand, I say it's not an expose of a glimpse on the inside, but it kind of is and it kind of isn't, you know, like, but I think, you know, it's about humanity, right? You know, on the one hand, you guys out there do all this legally, right, with FanDuel and all, you know, like, since the Supreme Court decision, like, this all this all happens, you know, sort of legally out there. But, you know, in here, it's, you know, it's, 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 still, it's still illegal, and um, that's why most of the guys were not okay with their name being in the piece. And the guy that you're referring to is Fat Man that was sort of telling me about, he, he's just a great sort of sports mind, and, you know, he's like the almanac of, of sports experience, especially football. And, uh, you know, he had a book in another prison back in the day, and, you know, it's just something that he's not into now, but, you know, he does sort of give his assistance to Tano. And, yeah, I mean, you know, he talks about, you know, the inside... You know, I think details are very important whenever you write any type of story. But, yeah, I mean, there is a a sort of conflict that I deal with, right, you know, writing about that. Because I don't want it to be sort of like inside man, like, this is how it goes down. You know, it's more like, you know, this is how it goes down. And you know what? We're just doing what you're doing. Mm. And um, and it's not to, and it's not a slight at the correction officers because they're they're doing a good job as far as I'm concerned. Sing Sing is a is a decent prison. They have decent relationships with the prisoners, you know, that nobody's trying to oppress anybody. Look, they're looking for drugs and weapons. I've seen the, the main sort of gang guy who knows me. <laughs> he doesn't know me because I'm a gang. He knows me because I'm a journalist. <laughs> and, you know, I said, uh, you know, I said, look, uh, yeah, I got a piece. I want to give you a heads up. I got a piece coming out in Sports Illustrated. And he was like, he just chuckled. <laughs> he was like, of course you do. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I was like, look, I, you know, I said, you guys are looking for drugs and weapons. You don't really sweat the, you know, the tickets and stuff. And he's like, well, you know, I don't. No. And because... Uh, I'm not going to bust balls over that because, you know, if if guys are watching football and, and playing a parlay, that's the least of my worries. Mm. So it mentioned in the article that most of the guys in there are from New York, correct? Is there uh well, I guess uh, you're not going to be able to watch the Jets or the Giants during this postseason. But say uh, a couple weeks ago when, uh, you know, when Tennessee upset both uh, the Patriots and the the Ravens, was there any, whenever that kind of happens in any given week or postseason, does that hit you or your buddies in any particular way? Yeah, Tennessee was, yeah, was in, was definitely an upset. I mean, I'm a big Brady fan. Uh, there's, there's a lot of Brady haters in here, but I, I, I you know, I like Brady because he's, <laughs> he's just a man. I mean, I'm not going to hate on a dude that's going to, you know, it just keeps doing his thing. And I even mentioned that I got a man crush on Brady because that time when he, uh, you know, he was down twenty-eight to three with the Falcons years ago. I talk about this in the piece, and it was just a, it was. I remember I had like three packs on that game. It was just a friendly sort of bet. It was I wasn't even, you know, it was just a, you know, I like Atlanta. Somebody else likes Atlanta. I like, I put a couple packs up. You know, it's not a big deal. And uh, and we we had we watched it on the big screen because my tier was. Uh, we had the cleanest tier, so we'd get to go down and have ice cream at, uh, down at the, at the Sing Sing Chapel, and he, he was getting spanked. The Patriots were getting spanked in the first half, and then 
everybody knows. Uh, so I went back to my cell. I was explaining in the piece, you know, sort of, you know, uh, crashing from a sugar rush and, you know, bummed about losing three packs. And then, and then the guy, the guy pulled, and, and, and I'm in like the biggest cell block in the nation. So it's like I walk into the cell block from the tunnel, from the from the chapel. And it's like tears on top, on top of tears, on top of tears, five tears, open tears. You know, just just, just shit talking of Brady. They just hating on Brady. And then the fucking guy comes back from 28 to three, and like the whole cell, the whole cell block is silent, except the occasional like you know. Brady fan, and I was just stunned, and I was like, "Look at this guy!" <laughs> I mean, it just—I yeah, couldn't help sort of relating it to uh, just, you know, I just—I love a comeback story, and I just thought of that, just landing the piece, you know, with my own sentence, twenty-eight years to life, you know, but like just pulling it off. But uh, it was—it was cool. Let me ask you this, as a Brady fan, I would have imagined that there was a good amount of anti-Brady sentiment in New York just because of the general New York-Boston rivalry, sports-wise especially. I loved that Super Bowl, and it was truly elating, but I still, when I really think on it, I think my bigger reaction was to the 2014 Super Bowl with the interception by Malcolm Butler because it was a single play that just went from a loss to a win of a championship game. Do you remember seeing that play? No, <laughs> I mean it doesn't stand out to me as much as the the down and out. I mean they won that one in 2014. Yeah, yeah. You know, truth be told, I'm not a diehard football fan, but when I talk to these guys, it was just like the story. You know, if anything, it makes more sense to me that when it comes down to it, it's not the football of it that you love. It's the comeback story. It's the idea of being completely down and out, and not yeah, just coming that's, back that's from it, but story. like yeah. winning from there. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, I think, but it's not only me, it's everybody, you know, everybody has their own story, right, that they're overcoming in their lives, you know, and that's why I think everybody appreciates a knockdown, you know, stand-up story, uh, you know, get-up story, I think it's just, it's a theme as Americans, we all sort of appreciate, I'd like to think, you know, and of course, you know, I mean, I sort of embodied the uh, label loser for, you know, quite a long time, you know, I mean, you, you, you break the law, you, you sell drugs, you you know, you kill a man, and you go to prison, and uh, you're pretty much a loser, you know. And uh, you know, I mean, somewhere along around, along the way, you know, I, I you know, I've I you know, try to get my act together, and you know, and yeah, so of course those sort of moments resonate with me when everybody counted you out, like everybody counted Brady out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just like, and he was like, yeah, not so fast. But I think we all have those moments as listeners. I mean, you know, it's, it's not about me. It's just about, I think, when I write, I write the story for people to read it and sort of, you know, for that, for, for them to sort of connect with, the, with you know, the, that, that, that sort of storyline, if you will. Something that you also mentioned in the article that we've talked about a few times is just there's there seems to be this level of I'm going to refer to it as paranoia, but I feel like that implies that it's not justified. And when I say it, I mean that it's like what I'm wondering is 
your relationship with the administration. There seems to be a certain level of paranoia there, right? Like when you refer to it, you're concerned that, uh, you know, the other shoe's coming down or something like that, right? Is that based on your experiences or do you feel like that's more just you're on opposite sides of the fence so you have to kind of have this more oppositional relationship? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It is the conflict of my life, really. It is the complication that, yeah, I am always looking over my show. There is a feeling, I feel, whenever I hear keys coming down the hall, even though they're not jerks, you know, here, I feel like, is this why, is this, is this when they've had enough of John J. Lennon, the prison journalist, uh, <laughs> you know, and they, it's just like ad seg time, motherfucker. You're going to ad seg, and we've had enough of you. Or are they thinking, like, you know, maybe, you know, I, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know what they're thinking. But I'm always thinking what they're thinking. And that is, that can, can, can cause you to have, like, anxiety. So to answer your question, yeah, like, it is a, it is a, look, I'm a guy that, that you know, learned, you know, like, I built this career in here, and I'm not shy about it, and I want to, uh, you know, and I, like, there's a lot of things that, that, that I do where I push the envelope. I would think, you know, generally speaking, you know, corrections officials would want me to, would, would, I would hope that, you know, you, you kind of want them to cheer you on. Like, you know, there's a lot of other things that I can be doing in here and that other people are doing in here uh, that are not so much on the up and up. You know, like I'm a journalist, but, you know, I've made enough money last, I pay taxes, I have this, you know, I have this show. I mean, I think society on some level, you know, I would think largely wants people to get out and build a career. I just don't think administrators or even society expect somebody in prison to build that career that they want them to build to, to, to sort of have when they get out and I don't I don't know how people feel about that especially my I tell you how I I don't I don't get much validation from the administrators and then when you know so like when you you know have a piece in a you know sports illustrated that's called inside that I do think they have their hands on the hips and they're stiff-lipped, and they're like, this <laughs> They deal with what you to do now, like, you know, and, and it's like, I don't, you know, I, I don't want that. I, I, I wish I wish there would be more of a, of a dialogue uh, between us. Uh, first of all, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pick that title. Some magazines reserve the right to name their, their title. I would have picked a better title, but they're in the business of selling magazines. I'm in the business of penning stories, and I'm just grateful Sports Illustrated said yes, and I'm honored to be in there, but um, yeah, I, I, I want to take that provocative title. All right. Well, all right. Well, I mean, we're all we're all proud of you, man, and congratulations. This is a big thing to accomplish. I was pretty amazed at how intricate the uh, the system, like the grid system, was. Oh yeah. Uh, between just you know all the alphabetization of the over unders, which teams, and that whole bit, and then so wait, wait. So what's the highest you've ever done? Like you ever done like a pick five or a pick six before in there? No, I don't. I think that the odds are not with you with the pick five. That's a sucker's bet. You got to win five, six. The odds of you winning four with the spread, yeah, that's very difficult. You I mean, see. as you can see with uh, the amount of people who play and hit. Yeah, you said there's a guy who was in, uh, you said in the piece. His name is Popo. He said he, you said he only hit twice in 20 years that he was there. Yeah, and those are pick fours. Yeah, it's, it's that hard. I mean, <laughs> the, camp, the, the, the house always wins. I mean, that's, that, that's a cliche for a reason because it's true. You know? Yeah. They, they, uh, 
but, but they lure you in with the odds, you know, 10 to 1, you know, 20. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot harder than you think to, to pick winners with the spreads. I mean, you could pick straight up winners. Like, oh, I think this one's going to But with the spreads, you got a very smart people in Vegas putting the line. They know, like, a margin of where the, the score is going to land. And you got to be pretty lucky. As far as everything else that kind of goes in there, I noticed there's, like, oh, yeah, just some kind of universal kind of things that people employ when doing sports betting. It sounds like uh, you, you had one guy who deliberately tanked one week just to get a better defense. It sounds like everybody has their own kind of strategies. I don't know if you guys talk amongst each other. Or you kind of stay pretty, you know, kind of close to the vest when it comes to that kind of stuff. Well, the guys in the fantasy league, I mean, they're all vying to get, you know, they're on top of it. I wasn't in the fantasy league, but they're pretty serious about it. I mean, guys are intense that, that are in these fantasy leagues. Like, they are all over it. I mean, it's the same in here. I mean, these guys watch the shows, and they're just having fun. They're just competing. and You know, it's, it's life. Of course. I feel like when you bring up gambling in jail... I'm thinking it's like, oh, it must be the old mafiosos who used to already run it on the outside, you know, getting their grips on the inside. But then it's like you explain it and it is it's the expectation and the reality just not meshing whatsoever. Right. Like there's some cliches like you talk about fat man. And I think of like Tony Saragusa, former NFL player or like uh, Joey Diaz, who's a comedian. But like. And that's because those guys kind of follow along with that old traditional big Sopranos-esque character, right? You bring up gambling and people think because it was illegal for so long, you have all these stigmas around it and these ideas of like what must be involved with it, even even outside of prison. It's just like, oh, yeah. gambling, what's going on with that, right? Oh, it used to be illegal. Some of the guys, like Little Ant that runs for Mr. Lee that I call him, and that he, you know, he's a... You know, whatever he is, I'm not going to like say <laughs> he's not he's not a mafia man, Mr. Lee. But there are Italian guys, like the one I call Carmine, and, and and these are sort of like connected guys or whatever. But they don't they don't run the. <laughs> it's, they, they may have during their during their stints, but they're just you know sometimes it's just like been there, done that, and it's just somebody else is running the book. This year. I mean, it's not you know Cano is a Puerto Rican dude. I mean, I mean it's just it's it's not always. Yeah. Of it's course. not always the, the Italian people with Bob connections that's running it. I mean, they've done it before, like my buddy. And I, and I sort of bring him into the scene when he's sort of uh, cursing out or busting little ants balls. Who's, who's, who's Italian? But, uh, I mean, because he did run, they did run larger books in the street. But uh, Was it Fat Man that said the, the Pittsburgh move was Fugazi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that was Carmine. That yeah. Said, uh, yeah, to... to uh, and he is an Italian dude. He does. He is kind of connected or whatever. But he 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 he's not involved with you know running the. He's, For he's sure. just doing his time and he's just hanging out. I mean, he he did it during 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 his stay in prison, but you know, not this year or not. But he kind of grew out of it. And he's just chilling out. Gambling is obviously illegal, technically speaking. But as you talk about in the piece, the CEOs have bigger things to worry about in there. So I don't know if there's ever a one-off chance every couple of years like the hammer does actually come down on somebody just to make an example out of them. Is that something that you recall seeing within the last, uh, you know, a uh, couple years or so? Look, I'm not saying that the, the correction officers don't do their jobs. I mean, look, one thing I learned about doing time in prison, you know, the officers have discretion as officers do in the street. So it's how you carry yourself, you know? So look, if you're going to, you know, if they if they catch you with some ticket stubs on, if they, you know, some gambling paraphernalia on you, 
you know, either they have the discretion to, to write your misbehavior report, or you know how you how you handle yourself about it. I mean, if if you're a gentleman about it, you're like, you know what, my bad, and you try to hide it and sort of crumple it or throw it in your. I mean, then then they're gonna they're gonna bust your balls, and you know, it's like anything. I mean, sometimes they will write your misbehavior report for it, but they carry the same discretion as law enforcement officers do on, on the outside. Discretion goes a long way with with the law. I mean, that's a conversation perhaps. We should, you know, we should talk about a lot more in, in this day and age. You know, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not walking around with. Uh, while I was writing this piece, I was walking around with. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't walking around with them, but I sort of played them, and I. But for the record, I was doing it because I was writing the piece as an immersive journalist. It was. <laughs> but when I was carrying those tickets, I was a little, you know, I was like, man, I don't want to get caught with this shit, you know. <laughs> but it, you know, it's. But yeah, more often than not, they would, you know, they probably probably would give me a pass. Now that I put, you know, a piece in Sports Illustrated called Inside Beth, is the commissioner going to sort of call? I hope not. I hope he doesn't come down on on me and, and Red or anybody like that because that would cause problems, and that would seem like retaliation. And I'm not trying to out anybody. I'm trying to, if anything, tell a story about human beings, and I hope they get that. One last intelligible question for me that I can think of. You shared your sentiment about how you saw your own story reflected in Tom Brady and that 28-3 to comeback win of the Super Bowl, which was incredible. Would you say that uh, any of the other guys in there at Sing Sing share that kind of story? Do they watch these games and they pick out a particular narrative of one guy out there on the field putting his body on the line? Is there anybody else in there that kind of sees that? Is there a... there's something in the air in there that uh, everybody can kind of identify with watching these games. Is that a, would you say that's a reason why everybody gets kind of swept up in this also? I think so. I think when you see these games and you see the sort of momentum of, you know, I think it's, it's an escape and, you know, anybody that can be affected by, uh, by this here, you know, I don't, you know, I imagine, you know, it's electrifying because everyone has their own personal experiences. They, you know, I can't, you know, I know that that was my experience, and I know that, you know, people on the outside watching and people in here probably have the same sort of sentiments, you know, for, but there's a lot of people in here that are doing really cool things, too, especially in Sing Sing, so I don't want to, you know, I know sort of like the people, the powers that be in Sing Sing are like, uh, John Lennon with this, this, this betting piece, but you know what, there's, you know, a lot of people in Sing Sing that are, you know, that bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and they're doing a lot of cool things for themselves and so I would imagine they could share that sentiment when they see anything whether it be a football game of a come some a team that's down and comes back and you know and people are in the end zone like you know nodding their head and just like you know hands on their hips I, you know I, I see that that proud moment from a lot of people that were you know once you know really ashamed and uh I see it every year when I attend graduations here and guys get their bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and families cry and those are their comebacks. So there's a lot of that going on in Sing Sing, probably more than any other prison in the nation. I mean, so I hope they hear me say that too, the administration. (laughs) (laughs) These are... (laughs) It's the truth, though. It's the truth. I try to be even-handed with uh, my storytelling. These are other guys in there doing cool things that also maybe at one point in time felt like losers and are now doing really cool, awesome things. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we hear from them a lot on this show. You know, that's the whole purpose of this show. We're going to hear from them a lot on this show. 
we're going to be talking to, they've talked to Rachel, they talked to Steve, they're going to be, we're going to be hearing from them on this show. This is what we do on this show. We talk, I'm going to be calling and talking to, you know, famous people that are in the studio, but other times my peers will be calling in and talking about some really cool things that they do. And that's what we do on this show. People are just people. And it really jives with the piece in closing. That's what, that's what this piece is about. People are just people. We do the same shit you do on Sundays in here. And the component of betting being legal out there and illegal, in there, that's just a, a small component of the piece. You know, nobody's trying to play gotcha with Sing Sing. You know, this is a piece about humanity. I just wanted to make that clear. That's a wrap. I just wanted to give you guys a piece of my mind about what went on with the Sports Illustrated piece. And uh, I look forward to next time. Tune in to This is a Collect Call from Sing Sing. The caller has hung up.